You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In May of 2006, I was visiting New York City to see friends and do some auditioning. While the auditions were a bust, I did hear about this new show at the Marquee Theater and was told it was pretty unique and really funny. So on the word of a friend's recommendation and without knowing much else, I went and bought a ticket and found my seat in the mezzanine. And when the lights went out, an agitated but friendly voice began speaking to the audience in complete darkness. Oh, I hate theater. Well, it's so disappointing, isn't it? You know what I do when I'm sitting in a darkened theater waiting for the show to begin? I pray. Oh, dear God, please let it be a good show. And let it be short, oh Lord in heaven, please. Two hours is fine, three hours is too much. And keep the actors out of the audience, God. I didn't pay $100 to have the fourth wall come crashing down around my ears. I just want a story and a few good songs that'll take me away. I just want to be entertained. I mean, isn't that the point? Amen. The lights eventually came up on a man in a chair in his living room. And for the next hour and 40 minutes, I was entertained with a story and a few good songs as he introduced us to a cast of players in a 1928 musical called The Drowsy Chaperone. Welcome to a bonus mini-episode of Closing Night, where we dive into famous and forgotten shows that close too soon. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, and I suppose I could just hold off till season two, but honestly, I love working on this podcast and can't really wait that long. So, these smaller bite-sized editions give us a chance to take a quicker look at some other shows from the Marquee Theater and their journey to Closing Night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
1998, Canadian actors Bob Martin and Janet Vandegraaff were engaged to be married, and Martin's longtime friend and composer Lisa Lambert was his best man. She was asked to take care of their stag party, which is what Canadians call bachelor or bachelorette parties. Obviously, our neighbors to the north do weddings very differently. So the couple arrives for their stag party at a club in downtown Toronto called Rivoli. And they and their guests are treated to a show called Oh What a Pair, consisting of two acts. The first act being stand-up routines about the bride and groom. Then the second half was something called The Drowsy Chaperone, which was about 40 minutes long and basically a spoof of old musicals, fully staged with costumes. Lambert had joined with another composer friend, Greg Morrison, to write the music and lyrics, with actor and filmmaker Don McKellar writing the script. And just so you understand, drowsy in the context of this show is a euphemism for tipsy or drunk, because too much drinking always made the chaperone tired. Though initially conceived as a one-night event, the success of the stag performance made them think there was something there. So Martin also joined the other three creatives, and together they expanded the show and created the character of Man in Chair, which became pivotal in providing a framework for the musical, as Bob Martin explains. Well, the show is really about a man who is in his apartment. He's a, he's a lonely man. He's had some tragedy in his life. He's sort of a low-functioning person. And in order to restore himself on those days when he's feeling kind of blue, he plays uh, his favorite Broadway musicals. And on this particular evening, he's sharing with the audience uh, a little lost gem called The Drowsy Chaperone. In fact, the inspiration for Man in Chair came from a theater critic with the Toronto Star, Richard Alzunian who used to have a radio show on which he played old cast albums. Similarly, the man in chair plays the drowsy chaperone and informs the audience that the musical is by the famed writing duo Gable and Stein. And slowly, one by one, the characters come to life in his living room and tell the story of Robert and Janet who are engaged to be married and the individuals and mishaps that stand in the way of their wedding day. With an all-Canadian writing team, Drowsy had quite the run in Toronto. Its first performance was at the Fringe Festival in 1999. Later that year, commercial theatre producer David Mervish financed an expanded production at a 160-seat independent theatre. Ticket sales and reviews were really good, and it led Mervish to finance and produce a full-scale version in 2001 at Toronto's 1,000-seat Winter Garden Theatre. The creative team also cycled through different directors for each production. But it was at that full-scale Winter Garden version that New York producer Roy Miller was invited to come see the musical. He immediately recognized its potential and optioned the rights to produce it, but with one caveat. And I said I would love to try to secure the rights, but I really don't want to do the show unless I have some sort of good faith agreement with Bob Martin that he would be willing to star in the show on Broadway because I, I never would have gone after the rights otherwise. After the break, the drowsy chaperone comes to New York for the first time and finds a new director to bring the show to Broadway. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In 2004, Drowsy would finally make its way to New York as part of the Festival of New Musicals, put on by the National Alliance for Musical Theater. This two-day festival offers 45-minute presentations of eight new musicals to an industry-only audience, and one of those in attendance was Kevin McCollum, the Tony Award-winning producer behind such big shows as Avenue Q and Rent. Once he was brought on board, it became clear that what they needed now was a director who could reconceptualize the whole production. And so the day after Spamalot opened on Broadway in March 2005, the show's choreographer Casey Nicola interviewed to be both choreographer and director of Drowsy's Broadway production. Yet, as excited as he was for the show and to now be working with this team, this was to be Nicola's Broadway debut as a director, so he knew he had his work cut out for him. You know, right off the bat, too, I was a little nervous about it, you know, because it doesn't read as well as it plays at all, you know, and me not knowing any of these guys and knowing that the lead character is already cast by someone I've never seen perform that I, I know nothing about, you know, was, was, a, was a little daunting. But once we met, I was like, okay, I have nothing to worry about. So with Martin as the man in the chair, it was now time to fill out the rest of the cast around him. And what a group of actors they found. Tony Award-winning Sutton Foster was cast as Janet Vandegraaff. TV star Georgia Engel was Mrs. Tottendale. British actor Edward Hibbert played Underling. And the inimitable Beth Level took on the title role of the chaperone. And so as rehearsals began in the fall of 2005, the cast was given a chance to flesh out the backstory of their characters. To do this, Nicola orchestrated a unique acting exercise called the hot seat, in which one by one each actor would have their turn in the hot seat, where fellow cast members would encircle them and pepper them with questions about their character. In addition to this, the creative team would work to tailor each character to the strengths of the actor. In the case of Beth Level, she told Playbill this process was revelatory. And on a panel discussion, Greg Morrison talks about the process of working on a song for The Chaperone called As We Stumble Along, sung by Level. This is the number where she had to win over the entire audience and they all had to see why this man in the chair loves this person so much, loves his performer. And uh, as the number grew and we saw what Beth could do, you know, not keep notching that up a few notes. It's, and that's very much how we work anyways. Once we, we come with a song to someone, we like to work with them and the musical director, whoever that may be, and fiddle with it as we go on. This collaboration and focusing of the individual strengths of the cast into one harmonious ensemble was actually one of the biggest reasons Sutton Foster wanted to join the show. Despite her leading lady credentials, her primary goal in this show was to be a part of an ensemble, to contribute to the collective magic of the show. She certainly had her moment in a showstopper called Show Off, where she dazzled with cartwheels, splits, and a myriad of stunts. But at its core, it was a real ensemble number, 
a well-oiled machine where every cast member played a part. So while other actors had scene partners and duets and ensemble numbers, Martin, on the other hand, was basically doing a one-man show in a chair. It's a very strange process for me because, I, I mean, rehearsal-wise, I'm never performing with anyone. And so much of my material is geared to how the audience reacts to something that I say. Rehearsal is absolutely torture for me because I, my scene partner is not there, basically. And then actual development is difficult as well because the tough part for me is knowing a couple of days beforehand, saying lines that I know are gonna be cut and hearing actors say lines that I know are, are, are no longer there and moments that I know don't work and I know why they don't work and having to turn that mechanism off. Even with seven years behind them, the creatives were still in this evolutionary phase of creating, rewriting, and finessing as they headed to Los Angeles for the show's American debut at the Amundsen Theater on November 18, 2005. But at one point before they opened, Foster was rehearsing with her scene partner, Troy Britton-Johnson, who played Robert Martin. She's singing in a dress and heels, while he has to sing and be blindfolded and dance on roller skates. This duet number between Robert and Janet is called Accident Waiting to Happen. And, true to its name, Foster took a tumble during this rehearsal and broke her wrist. The production still opened on time, but Foster was in a cast for most of that L.A. run. Nonetheless, L.A. critics largely praised Foster and the cast for their performances, noting that while the music may not have soared, it was still very good, and praised the production as a whole. Here's what Variety had to say. This is an elaborate show, and first-time director Casey Nicola manages to keep it all crystal clear and humming along. He is helped enormously by David Gallo's ever-inventive set design, which transforms the dreary apartment into a Cole Porter-like party. It's all one big peon to theatrical imagination, and its commercial appeal is unquestionable. It's certainly an awful lot tighter and polished than thoroughly modern Millie, another example of a 1920s tribute in its Southern California tryout. And overall, The Drowsy Chaperone is a more satisfying show than Millie, equally mood-lifting, but less problematic. Drowsy left L.A. with other encouraging reviews, as well as five Drama Critics Circle Awards, with the next stop being its Broadway opening at the Marquee Theater on May 1st, 2005. It was to be the only original musical that Broadway season that didn't come from a book, play, or movie. It was pure imagination at work, which wasn't that common 20 years ago and is even less common now. But until Drowsy came along, Jersey Boys was the juggernaut of the 2005-2006 Broadway season and the hands-down favorite to win the Tony for Best Musical. But Drowsy Chaperone lived up to its name and became the sleeper hit of the season, garnering almost universal praise among critics, even forcing the opinionated Michael Riedel of the New York Post to walk back his self-assured proclamation that no show could pose a threat to Jersey Boys at the Tonys. Instead, Drowsy became the show to beat, with a total of 13 Tony nominations. The next closest production was The Color Purple, with 11 nominations. And Jersey Boys? Well, they landed a respectable seven nominations. 
But among the nominees for Best Musical, like The Color Purple and The Wedding Singer, Drowsy's only real competition was Jersey Boys. Here's Michael Riedel talking about what made the Drowsy Chaperone so special. The audience I went to was full of a lot of insider theater people who loved it. But, you know, there were a lot of people, I think, who were just there staying at the Marriott Marquis in town, you know, for a weekend trip who are not show queens, who felt the same way about it, who were as moved and touched and, and enjoyed it as much as the insider theater crowd. The Drama Desk Awards also showered 14 nominations on Drowsy, which would go on to win seven of them, including Best Musical. But when it came to the Tonys, there was a bit more complex of a dynamic going on. Drowsy Chaperone had stirred up nostalgia among Broadway goers and revived backlash against the jukebox musical, reminding theater purists that Jersey Boys lacked originality and was basically an all-male version of Dreamgirls. On the other hand, Drowsy Chaperone encountered its own detractors, who deemed it a weak parody of old musicals and criticized the thinness of the score. Nonetheless, box office was strong for both shows, but decidedly in Jersey Boy's favor, with weekly grosses routinely going above $1 million, while Drowsy hadn't reached that milestone yet. When the dust settled in June of 2006, Drowsy walked away with five Tony wins, more than any other musical that year. But ultimately, it was Jersey Boys on top with Best Musical, and Drowsy with notable wins in Best Book and Score. It also marked the very first Tony nomination and award to the wonderful Beth Level for Best Featured Actress. Oh my goodness gracious sakes alive. (laughs) Breathe, breathe. First of all, thank you, Bob Martin and Janet Vandergraaff, for getting married and having this amazing bachelor party thing that has become our drowsy chaperone. Thank you, life, for the privilege... (laughs) for the privilege of being on the same page as Felicia and Elizabeth and Megan and Carolee. Ah, overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Thank you. Thank you to our producers. Thank you, our creative team. And I must tell my director, my brilliant director, Casey Nicola. Oh, I had to write this down. Thank you for trusting me with this role of a lifetime. Because of your faith in me, my friend, I am flying. Having seen both Drowsy Chaperone before the Tonys and then Jersey Boys after, I will freely admit that I've had a grudge against the Tony Awards ever since for giving Best Musical to the wrong show. I mean, one show came off like a tedious and overly dramatic concert, while the other showed originality and gave me that spark that only real musical theater brings. I I know, it's been 17 years, uh, but as you can see, I'm still not over it. But such is the way with Tony Awards and their voters, 40% of whom are touring production presenters. So the road has always had this outsized sway in what wins in New York City. Jersey Boys was just seen as this better viable option for touring, as opposed to the confusingly titled Drowsy Chaperone. Still, Drowsy recouped its initial investment of $7.8 million after 30 weeks, which puts it in good company with other shows that recouped in that same amount of time, like Kinky Boots, Mamma Mia, And yes, Jersey Boys. 
Drowsy also spawned a well-reviewed national tour with Bob Martin in the chair, a London production that didn't last as long, also with Bob Martin, a successful cast recording, and the first Broadway cast album to appear in vinyl LP form in nearly 20 years. Throughout the course of the musical's run on Broadway, some notable and celebrity replacements joined the show. For the man in chair, there was Jonathan Crombie, Bob Saget, and John Glover. Upon Georgia Engel's exit, Joanne Worley and Cindy Williams became Mrs. Tottendale, and Mara Davi assumed the role of Janet once Sutton Foster left. But after the two-year mark, ticket sales slowly started to decline as the celebrity stunt casting just wasn't bringing in new audiences. By November 2007, the show played to less than 50% of capacity at its 1,600-seat theater. And so on December 30th of that year, the Drowsy Chaperone ended its 10-year journey from a wedding gift to a Broadway hit with 32 previews and 674 performances. And to this day, it remains one of the first and best shows I've ever seen at the Marquee Theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a transcript and full list of the numerous resources and materials used in this episode, you'll find a link to them in the show notes. Closing Night is a production of Win Me Media. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, host and executive producer. Dan Delgado is editor and producer, not only for this podcast, but also his own movie podcast called The Industry. Theme music for Closing Night composed and created by Blake Stadnick and co-producer is Maria Clara Rivero. Be sure to stay tuned for more bonus episodes like this as other marquee shows make their way to closing night. (laughs) 